Hey, we are live. How about we let Larry kick us off, CJ? What do you think about that? Sounds good. Let's roll. All Things Unexplained. Hosted by Dr. Mounts. Let's face it, we were always ready to roll without him anyway. <laughs> CJ Derringer. Ain't nobody perfect, right? And Smitty Neves. I've never planned out hardly anything my whole life. I just free ball. Featuring Cajun Man. I'm just old nobody, somebody looking for somebody. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Things Unexplained. I am CJ Derringer here along with my co-host, Dr. Tim Mounts. We're hey, missing hey. Smitty tonight. Hey, are Smitty. we really? Well, yeah, we are. Hey, We're missing Smitty. him physically. He's not here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we do uh, send our best to you. Hope you're doing well. We have a very exciting show on All Things Unexplained tonight. We are excited to welcome yet another guest. I love these nights and these days and these mornings and whenever we're recording that we have guests. I just find it so fascinating to get other people on here and um, hear a little bit about them and their worlds and what they can share that's unexplained with us or any digging that they've done to uh, answer the unexplained. So tonight we are lucky enough to have an author with us. She's written some young reader books, some nonfiction books, some fiction books. She's a freelance writer and photographer. She's an expert in self-publishing. She has a plethora of experience with horses. I think the list goes on and on, <laughs> but I'll let her share a little bit about herself. Uh, please welcome to our show, Donna Campbell-Smith. Hi, Hello, Donna. thank you so much for joining us. Hey, so we are. Oh, I'm so excited! So lucky to have you. You reside right here in North Carolina with us. Tim and I are in North Carolina as well. Smitty's out there in Mississippi, but again, he's not here tonight. So this is a, a North Carolina exclusive interview. <laughs> it's always fun to get somebody local. So thanks for joining us. So Donna, I was reading a little bit about your background and it sounds like you started w working with horses. Is that correct? That came before all of the writing? Yes. Yes, it did. Um, um, in Martin County at the, in the um, Martin Community College, they started the equine uh, technology program and I was in that first class. What that does first equine technology mean? Well, it's basically just all things about horses. So we had two programs. One was um, breeding farm management and training farm management, and I opted for breeding farm management. But I was already um, in the business with boarding and giving lessons and stuff. Uh, probably if I'd known what I was getting into, I, I might have been chickened <laughs> out of the whole thing. It was pretty. <laughs> but, um, it was pretty, pretty amazing program. Did you grow up with horses? No, no. I dreamed of having one from the time I was a little girl. So I had, where most people have imaginary playmates, I had an imaginary yeah. horse. His name was Leafy. He ate leaves, <laughs> which horses shouldn't eat leaves. 
But um, and I galloped him all over oh the neighborhood. Goodness. I love that. Why do kids yep. do that? They just add e to the end of everything, right? Like my daughter right now, she has a fake puppy that she calls Treaty because it eats treats. Like that's you know that's the logic of a child, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I guess it must be. <laughs> that is so fun. We have. Like a fan of yours chiming in here. Jackie is looking forward to hearing from Donna. That's exciting. I see Jackie's picture. Hey, hey Jackie. Thanks for tuning in, Jackie. Love She's that. There. Wonderful. So, Donna, when did you first realize you wanted to be a writer? Oh, I think I was maybe about 12 years old. And I always, in school, I was like one of the weird people who looked forward to term papers and research papers and... <laughs> You know, anything that you write, I like it. I always did. And I and I love to read. You know, we didn't have TV and stuff when I was kids, so I would hear a lot. Of, you know, I think about it now with my great-grandchildren and their devices and gaming and everything. Mother would always, like, telling me, get your nose out of that book if you haven't done your chores and stuff like that. So I think it's just a different form but same problem or not a problem but not to us it wasn't i know now we're telling them go put your nose in a book okay and keep it there for a while (laughs) yeah 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 oh that's so i mean i was one of the ones under the covers with the flashlight or climb a tree with a book or whatever i was was always i set up a little mini mouse tent in my bedroom as a kid and i would go in my tent with a flash read for hours i loved to read i still love to read i loved reading your book it was phenomenal it's really fun thank you we'll dive into that in a little bit but um and so writing tim you've done lots of writing as well when did you know tim that you wanted to be a writer well i honestly i i think you know my son is seven and so it's brought back a lot of deja vu for me I think probably around the time I was seven years old, um, because he he does a lot of writing. So he writes all these little uh, short stories, comic books he calls them, and graphic novels. And I admit I probably have influenced that that to a large degree, perhaps. But growing up, you know, I just consumed everything I could I could get my hands on. It's like Don said. Uh, I mean, we had a TV, but Mama mostly had access to it. It's not like I wanted to watch Dynasty, you know, or Dallas. <laughs> uh, so it was it was read the Encyclopedia Britannica or read the dictionary or read the comic books. So I discovered comic books at some point. And I, I think that and um, actually something about Donna that really caught my eye when I was reading about, about you, Donna, was how you used to listen to uh, late night, or or maybe it was your mother or grandmother used to listen to late father, late, father. late night father. radio. My that's father. right. And so I yeah. I had a lot of that as a kid mm-hmm. too. Like I still remember, you know, getting the radio and just slowly turning the dial and fixing the antenna and trying to find ways mm-hmm. to boost my antenna and just being so excited when I could find somebody talking from another part of the country. Uh, I just thought it was so exciting. And of course, it was mostly AM at, at night, in the middle of the night for me. And all those things just really wanted me to express myself in, in a creative way. I don't think there was much other, other way to do that uh, back in the day except through writing. I, you know, I wasn't necessarily an artist in terms of graphic artist or anything like that. But um, 
I just felt like writing was the natural way for it to come out because I love to read so much. Me too. Yeah. I love to read, love to write. Um, you said Encyclopedia Britannica that totally took me back to when my parents got our first set. And I'll never forget it. Just up there, it was so beautiful, right? We had every set of them and just these hard-bound, beautiful encyclopedias that if we wanted to know something, that's where we went. We would take an encyclopedia off the shelf and research it. Now, gosh, we have so much information at our fingertips. It's scary. A waste of time, most so yeah. of it, really. But Here's a question. Do they still sell encyclopedias? Oh, I'm sure. They're mm. probably more expensive now, right? They're <laughs> Maybe yeah. in used bookstores. <laughs> well, you know, there used to be encyclopedia salesmen. I mean, that would go door to door. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I bought, I bought when my kids were coming up, I bought World Book from the door to door salesman. Yeah, and I yeah. think it was quite lucrative, too, because everybody needed them. It was like, it was like the internet, you know, it was your search engine. Uh, yeah. Which actually reminds right. me of a question I saw the other day, and, and it was a would you rather question. I'll ask both of y'all this. Would you rather never to be able to use search engines again, like Google, or never use smartphone apps again? I had to think about that for Whoa. a second. Well, I don't use smartphone apps so that's anyway. That's easy with so. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was easy. Oh, goodness. Goodbye to the apps. I'm still learning. I would I'm say that I, the I apps that I use probably. don't bring me any knowledge. <laughs> So I'd rather have access to knowledge. So I'm going to say I'd get rid of the apps and I would keep the Google search engine. I yeah. like Me it. Me too. I, yeah. I concur. I mean, I think the only app I have, have on my phone that I would search for information is Google. So. <laughs> there you go. And Donna, Dana Everett Bauer, Bauer said break a leg. Hey, Dana. Yeah, if any of our <laughs> listeners out there have any questions. You shouldn't say that to an old lady, Dana. <laughs> at least you didn't say <laughs> break a heel. It reminds me of the character in your book. True. Who broke her ankle. <laughs> um, yep. But yeah, if any of our listeners have any questions for Donna or for either of us, please go ahead and send those our way, and we'll try to address them on the show. That's always something fun for us to do, get some listener involvement. And um, Donna, before we dive into this new book that you have here, why don't you tell us a little bit about where people can find more information on you, your website and your social media pages. Where can they go to find Donna? You can just Google Donna Campbell Smith. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't think there's another one out there. One of a kind. <laughs> so my website DonnaCampbellSmithWrites.com. Okay. And I'm on Facebook, and I have a book page and an art page and my general page on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn, and I hardly ever look at my Twitter account. So it's those things that you have I'm, to have, I might not right? See you if have somebody to goes have there to find me. <laughs> You have to have those in order you to, have to have time to, to write and do stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Donna, on your website, I was on it earlier, that picture of you at a lake, is that a lake here in North Carolina? That is Falls Lake at Beaver Dam oh. State Park at the end of their yeah. little fishing pier. And Jackie took that picture. I love picture that picture. It's great. Yeah, I like the picture. <laughs> and then, of course, there's your business card. I have to share this business card with everybody because I've never oh, seen terrific. anything as wonderful. And I I would love, like Tim said earlier, I would love to get one for myself. I'm going to see. Tell me if you could look at this. This is fantastic. That is so awesome. I love this so much. Is this something that you did or a friend oh, did for you? or just That's um yeah, I drew it. It's a oh. self-portrait. <laughs> that is me at the beach with oh, the wind in my hair. Fantastic. My favorite 
thing this to do. This is so great. Oh, when I saw this, <laughs> I said, I'm going to love this woman. I just knew it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Okay, so I have to learn to draw myself is what you're saying. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Just or let Donna draw you. Yeah. I'll go to the beach and let the wind take over my hair. Um, okay, <laughs> well, the reason that we have Donna on this today is um, we found you in a news article about a new book that you wrote, and I've got the book here with me. It's called My Neighbors from the Woods, and Hold it, it over, is about... CJ. Oh, okay, thank you. Yep, my camera's off. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> my Neighbors from the Woods. There you are. Who did the artwork for this one? You did I did that. Well. Donna, what can't you I do? Love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I can't sing. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. I have no musical ability whatsoever. That is it's wonderful. So we on this show at All Things Unexplained, we have interviewed a lot of Bigfoot experts, Bigfoot authors. And um, when I started reading the book, I didn't realize it was fiction. I We've read so many nonfiction Bigfoot stories. So I'm reading it and going, oh my gosh, this is great. Like this is just really, it reads so much like fiction. And Tim goes, yeah, CJ, it's fiction. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> but every little nuance in this story that you wrote about, Bigfoot experts that we have talked to have shared something similar in terms of people's experiences. So you must have done a lot of research before you wrote this book. Tell me a little bit about that process. Oh, yes. Well, I wrote this during pandemic shutdown. Yes, I had time to do it. But I have been interested in reading since I got a web TV. No. Do you know what that is? <laughs> is that like a smart TV? Before I had a computer. It was a gizmo you could hook up to your TV and access oh. the internet. I don't know how it worked, but that was my first introduction to the internet. A story that stuck with me, though, was about a woman who had this relationship with this Bigfoot family. I tried to go back and find it, and then I saw there were several similar stories out there on the internet. So that um, that was just one story that kind of stuck with me, though, because, I don't know, it seems like most of the people in the Bigfoot world that you hear about, the experts and whatnot, are men. And seem to be a whole lot of women out there, not a lot. So I don't know. It just it just captured my imagination to think that that could happen. I'm a I from east northeast North Carolina, which is bear country, mm. and I love going to the refuges and just you can just drive through and see multiple bears most any time you go to uh, Alligator River yeah. Refuge or Pungo. Also, kind of inspiration in the back of my mind for my story was. There was a lady that lived in Tyrrell County named uh, Kay Grayson. They called her the Bear Lady. And she had a thousand acres of land out there she had inherited from somebody. And she lived out there with no no plumbing, no electricity in a trailer. And she had this amazing relationship with the bears. And I have a four-hour video that I bought from her of her with those bears. So it kind of, um, kind of seemed like a possibility yeah. to me. That somebody could have that kind of relationship with Bigfoot. So that's what got me started. But yeah, I started watching a lot of the YouTube uh, Bigfoot channels while I was on shutdown here alone in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
you know, reading websites and stories. I like the stories. So, uh, and there's some really amazing storytellers out there. Well, too. I would say you're one of them. So that's correct. That's my, that was my research watching yes. YouTube. Um, well, it was, it's a fantastic read. I highly recommend everybody pick it up and read it. And I instantly got sucked into your main character. We call her Maggie, right? Her name isn't mentioned too much in the story a couple of times, but um, so I was just really sucked into this lady. She lives by herself out in the woods and loves her coffee, you know, gets up and makes her coffee every morning and has her cat and goes out and takes care of the chickens and makes sure the chickens are back in at night. And this recurs a lot in the story and it just really made me think about how many people actually live this way. There are so many people that are living in North Carolina, especially, and they have their chickens and they drink their coffee and their, their lives are just sort of a simple every day. This is what I do. And, you know, for her to go out to dinner or to go to a, a barbecue or grill out or what have you, it was a big thing. Like, oh, okay, I've got to make sure that I wash up and what am I going to wear? I don't do these things very often. And um, did you, do you find yourself relating to her and her, her daily routine? Well, I, yeah, you know, when you write, you always have a piece of yourself in there. So I do live in the woods, basically. I, li- I rent a house on a 200-acre oh, farm that a farmer, another farmer rents the uh, pasture land and raises cattle. So I get to sit here in my office and watch the cows and the wildlife and stuff. So, yeah, yeah kind of, yeah. Okay, relate. so the main... Relate. But it's, more, it's also more than just about her relationship right. with Bigfoot. It's like her her independence and her, her other relationships. Yes, it was. And I really got sucked in (laughs) and I'm not going to give away how it ends, but I was like, Oh, I like, I like that. I like the way that it went in the end. So I I want people to read it. She did have a relationship, another relationship in the book too, right? With a friend named John. John, And then she's got a female friend and her husband as well that check in on her every once in a while, you know, oh, are you doing okay? It's sort of this like, oh, because she felt like, oh, because I'm a a woman who lives alone, everybody feels like they have to check in on me and ask if I'm okay all the time. And, you know, she gets to a point where she's like, yeah, I'm okay. I've got this. I can handle it. Please let me be like, stop. (laughs) Like just because I'm a woman out here by myself doesn't mean that I can't do this. I've done it for 30 years sort of thing. It was, it was great. Yeah, um, but it has but, to make you wonder, though, CJ, and yeah. uh, to me, maybe Donna can uh, tell us more about this. Do Do you think that Maggie's, you know, the fact that she did live out in the woods alone as a female, and you know, she didn't, she only had just a few other relationships. Um, do you, you know, did that lead to the interaction? with the Bigfoots, you know, she was out there by herself, just kind of one with nature, and actually, Diane, who it made me think of was that the, there's only one human that's ever been known to have been accepted into chimpanzee society, and that, that was Jane Goodall, out alone as a female, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and that's who it made me think of it, like, in your... Donna, but what do you, in yeah. your mind, how do you I had thought that? of that. I, that didn't really occur to me and because I think of Jane Goodall as a scientist and an educated person, which makes it different maybe from Maggie. 
Maggie wasn't trying to really uh, do research on them, I guess is what I'm thinking. But I just hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, that's kind of a cool thought. Yeah. In Maggie's case, it's like they came to her and she was terrified of them, right? As I think most people would be not knowing what right. this creature is yeah. capable of or the, the noises and the smells and all of the things that you talk about in the book could be terrifying. And the Bigfoot do some damage to her property, yeah. right? And she goes to this other strong female character in your book, Phoebe, I believe was her name. Phoebe. Phoebe. Yes. And so Phoebe lives on her own, very strong female character. And she tells Maggie what she needs to do in order to make the chaos stop because Maggie does not want to believe that this is a Bigfoot. She does not want to say the words out loud and be sent to the yeah. loony bin that she's got this Bigfoot, you know, on her property. But Phoebe all along is going, that's not a bear. <laughs> that's not a bear doing that. That's not a bear walking on two feet across your, your path. Um, that's the big man. That's the Bigfoot. So she gives And you know, me. I think that humans just getting more in touch with nature, I mean, it can lead to all kinds of discoveries. And so I think it's so plausible that the, the book is and the interactions. And did either of you see the read? There were, was very recent uh, bipedal great ape news uh, concerning an orangutan in Borneo. Did either of you see this? Yes, I did see so, it. I, I so a very so. famous picture was taken recently. I'm going to try to put it on the screen and hopefully both of you can see this. This was an amateur, I'll set the stage, an am amateur photographer was crossing a, oh, thank you, uh, Dana. I hate to interrupt you. Thank you, Dana Everett Bauer. Dana Everett Bauer says, I love the Jane, uh, Jane Goodall comparison, Dr. Mills. Thank you. So very recently, an amateur photographer in Borneo was crossing a snake-infested swamp, right? And it looked like he was just up to his shoulders in lots of danger. And out of nowhere, this happens. I'm going to put the picture on Wait, the I have not here. seen this. This is not something that I have seen. Whoa! I did see that. I did see that. Yes. And it it is exactly what it looks like. The orangutan extended his hand to help the photographer out of the swamp. He was, it appeared to be legitimately concern as far as i know this was kind of a first that's you know incredible. among uh, a bipedal great apes and i know isn't it amazing yeah, that's now, really amazing it is. I, yeah. i'd like to ask both of you because this reminded me of the story too they asked the photographer did yeah. you let the orangutan help you out of the swamp what do y'all think the photographer decided to do Oh, I don't know. I would, I would have. have to, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, y'all are so kind natured. So the photographer actually did not let the orangutan help him out of the water. Uh, there, he had two reasons. One, he was concerned for his physical safety. Oh, hey, Connor Flynn, a uh, friend of the show, Connor Flynn, just said, hey, y'all. Uh, Connor, let <laughs> us know if you've seen this story about the orangutan helping or trying to help the photographer out of the uh, swamp so he was one concerned for his safety because orangutans are immensely powerful you know and i believe this was a female mm -hmm. orangutan and two the photographer said that they were only there to observe they were not there to interact mm. with nature 
at yeah. all. And it, it reminded me of part of your book, Donna, mm-hmm. uh, My Neighbors from the Woods, where, you know, they they took something of hers. They took some chickens, but they left her some gifts in their place. And that's a re- reoccurring theme that when you start reading Bigfoot yes. stories, you, you see that. Yeah. But you know, crows do that. Oh, really? So it's not far-fetched to me. Crows will bring you gifts. Crows have facial recognition. So if you're like feeding or whatever, they know who it is feeding them. And there's stories of them just leaving little shiny things that they'd like to pick up. I know, it makes you think twice about putting a scarecrow up, right? (laughs) Listener Deborah (laughs) Brown said they would have let the orangutan help them out. So, and, and, but I understand what he's saying about not interfering. When I first moved onto the farm, um, I had horses, so I had a salt block and I put it in the edge of the woods in camera. You know, I was baiting deer, is what I was doing, which was really wrong. <laughs> and but then, then they opened the farm to a uh, hunting club, so I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I've, I've taught them not to be afraid. Mm. To come close to the house and that was stuff. a theme so in your I book too like that. that was a big yeah that was sort of a challenge for her in your book was okay do i leave these offerings and make the bigfoot feel safe with humans and that was a challenge that she ran into with her friend john as well in terms of how should she handle that so coming full circle to the orangutan this photographer is only there to observe does he want to reach out his hand and make these orangutan feel like they can trust humans when really we all know there's a lot of very bad humans out there and um and maybe they shouldn't be so trusting (laughs) that's a tough one but i still think i would have taken i mean that is such a magical moment i think I, i would have taken it her hand. <laughs> uh, let me put that back up there for everybody that missed that. I'd like to say hey to my my childhood friend Scott Bailey. Thanks for tuning in to the show. We're talking yeah. to if you're just tuning in, we're talking to award winning author of My Neighbors from the Woods about a lady named Maggie who discovers herself with some Bigfoot neighbors. So, Donna, there was something you wrote about in your book. This is so fun to talk to an author of a fiction story because every time I read a book, I'm like, oh, I wonder what they were thinking or if that's what they meant. So one part of your book, she goes walking with John into the woods and they are going to go fishing or maybe they're just walking and they go fishing later. But he finds an, Down to yes, the he finds an arrowhead yeah. and he says, oh, do you find these here often? And she says, oh, you know, when the rains come through and, and wash them up. So are we thinking that the Bigfoot are leaving those as gifts, that they're finding them and leaving them as gifts? Or is that just more something that, okay, we, we find arrowheads in this area? I think that was just part of the set, the scene for the two okay. of them. No, I, 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 I didn't intend it that way for a Bigfoot to have left Okay, there. gotcha. See, that's how I interpreted it. See, so you get, the, you get the reader <laughs> off their thing going <laughs> But that's what's so great about reading and writing. But they left the nuts. Yeah. They left the hickory nuts for. Oh, so fun. (laughs) It's like I said, it's so fun to talk to somebody that wrote a book after I read the book. It's great. So you've, you've now done. Yeah, Big for me foot. too. And I really do recommend, I'm going to show everybody the, the book one more time. This artwork that you did here yourself is fantastic. I recommend everybody go and grab it. 
it truly was a very fun yeah, read. And do. Let's make it a bestseller. Yes. So oh, Donna, yes. do you enjoy do you enjoy eating Snickers bars as much as your uh, main character does? Well, I don't eat sweets now, but I I've had characters in other books have that one thing kind of signature yes. thing so when i do a book signing i'll, I'll have a bowl of mini snickers oh, for, for people to take one that's fun them, get their book signed that is fun. speaking of that we have a listener question for you donna listener dana everett bauer says so are we going to have a sequel to my <gasps> I friends love that idea. Uh, no we're not we're not going to have a sequel to that but i am working on another bigfoot book that i hope to have done before May, so I can take that to the Bigfoot Festival. Oh, awesome. So I'm, I'm working on it. You are a busy lady. Can you give us any insight on that one? <laughs> yeah. Um, this is going to be a child, human, child, human, Bigfoot relationship. But it's, um, it's, she's telling it after she's an adult. So it's not a children's book per se, but it's about children. Okay, gotcha. Now you do write some young reader books. I too, just though, started right? it, so I don't even know where it's going yet. I, that's my writing process. I just start writing without not a whole lot of foresight, and characters just kind of do their well, thing. Well, there you go. Oh, very. I did two cozy mysteries, and you can't do that with a cozy mystery. You have to have a plan. So the first one I wrote, I had to start over, but. All my other fiction books, I just write and see where it goes. Now, what's a cozy mystery? That's one without the blood and gore and stuff. It's just like like Murder, She Wrote. That yeah. sort oh, of, yeah. I loved Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I watched the reruns on Antinity. Angela Lansbury <laughs> is one of my all-time favorite yeah. people. Yes, I, like I just her. have to say so. And uh, I believe the name of her town was Cabot Cove. Is that right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yes, that's right. <laughs> yes. I need a I need a Mercy Road uh, for, on trivia night sometime next time I go to my local establishment that has <laughs> trivia night. So Don, I have to propose a theory of mine about Murder She Wrote. Okay. I always thought that Angela Lansbury should be the suspect in some of those crimes. Because think about it, anytime she went to visit somebody, anytime she went to another town, there was always a murder. <laughs> yes. She was the yes. one common thread between all the murders. I think Ag Agatha Christie did that with the, what is it, Hercule Poirot, I can't pronounce his name, that series she did. I think in one of them, he, he was... He was a suspect, and you really thought he did it until the end. Oh, yeah, Sergeant. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure. I believe he was French. Per Perot, Perot, Perot. Mm -hmm. Deborah Brown says, me too. I think she's agreeing with me that Angela Lansbury should have been a suspect in at least some of those crimes. Because yeah, because somebody got murdered everywhere she went. <laughs> <laughs> True. That's super creepy, right? <laughs> Even though I love her. I love Angela Lansbury, but super creepy. <laughs> Better be on her good side. Like, you don't want her to no. come to your house. That's like every time I used to live on the coast here in North Carolina, and you did not want Jim Cantore to show up right before a hurricane because then you know, knew your town was the target of that next hurricane. And he showed up in Wilmington for, for the last one. It was like, no. 
<laughs> well, oh god! I always imagined if Angela Lansbury ever got arrested or threatened with arrest, she would just ha- have Matlock as her defense attorney. <laughs> so it was pretty much pointless in ever even attempting to charge her with anything. Uh, Tim, I feel like you've got this is the next True. book yeah. idea for you. You should take this and run with it. Yeah. <laughs> Murder she wrote and committed. <laughs> Perfect. Two yeah. confessions. So now, Donna, you had, um, before we started the show, you mentioned that one of your daughters had purchased you a Bigfoot mask. Here we are in the, the time of COVID, so masks are very prevalent and popular. Are you, and have you always been a huge Bigfoot fan and interested in Bigfoot, or is that sort of a recent development for you? Uh, I've always I've always believed that there was a critter out there, a Bigfoot white critter, and that came from mm-hmm. my daddy. Like we said, um, he listened to late night on the radio. And um, he would tell us stuff he had heard, you know, about Bigfoot on there. And I think he got, you know, he read the men's mag true and a couple of the men's magazines and there'd be stories in those. But um, he, um, I wrote about this in one of my articles. He, um, he talked about a wild man that lived back. He was from upstate New York is where he grew up and lived all his life till he went in the army. Uh, this wild man and uh, he would have nightmares about wrestling this wild man and one night he was just moaning and groaning and tossing and turning and mama reached over grabbed him by the shoulder to wake him up and when he did he put her in a hammerlock (laughs) (laughs) because he was wrestling that wild man so she said you go ahead and have your nightmare from now on I'm not waking you up but um so when I was doing some research it came and I the small town monsters on YouTube channel they go back and talk about some of these um some of these old stories about wild men and Bigfoot and the hairy man or whatever in different parts of the country and um they had talked about upstate New York so I was just Googling around and came across this story, a newspaper clipping that was from the 1930s. I can't remember the year, but it was about several sightings of this, what they called a hairy wild man. So I'm wondering, Daddy would have been a young teenager at that time that maybe he read or, you know, people were talking about those stories and maybe that's where his thing about the wild man came from. And I didn't ask questions. There's, you know, you got questions, ask them before your parents are gone, because I, I didn't know anything about daddy's side of the family lineage or anything. And I'm, you were taught when I was a child to be seen and not heard, so you didn't break in adult conversations and ask questions. So I didn't. And now I wish I had. I wish I could teach some of that to <laughs> my girls. <laughs> to my children. My children are always talking. All the time. Um, no, that's good advice. If you have questions, ask them now, right? That's that's tough once they're gone. Yeah. You can't get that time back, huh? To be continued. You've been listening to All Things Unexplained. If you liked this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating. 
and leave us a review. If you would like to hear more All Things Unexplained, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to support our show, please do visit buymeacoffee.com backslash unexplained. A special thanks to our producer, director, sound mixer, editor, and the man that wears far too many hats. No, seriously, he has a lot of hats, Dr. Tim Mounts. Without you, we couldn't keep the lights on. Thanks for listening to All Things Unexplained.